swords with handle art to spar trolls and charge tolls to cross roads where bandits are. Catacombs and giant doors protect the chest and stores and legendary items with the dragon bones and iron It's ore. a grand theft of Elder Scrolls, Simon's quest with Toe and Earl, rocket shoes to every crew, Easter eggs and gaming news, the POTUS need some bad dudes to crash a crew like Bandicoot, all shit and gaming and glitch control issues. Control issues. Yes, yes, y'all. Yes, y'all. Yes, yes, y'all. Well, this is control issues. I am the AMC, and this is a dub. You can find us at control-issues.com. Yeah. And also go to your podcast provider, whoever that may be. Yeah. Go look for control issues. Download control issues. Subscribe to control issues. Rate it. Review it. Give it five stars. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you can also go over to twitch.tv slash control issues pod where we put up gameplay videos for your viewing pleasure from time to time. Uh, head on over to Twitter. My control issues is the handle AMC. How are you looking? Living well. We are two weeks off of an episode due to technical difficulties last week. A dub yeah. had a straight up blackout that yeah. <laughs> lasted for most of the day. And then AMC had to handle some grown man shit. So Yeah. So but here we are. The show never stops. Even if exactly. even if we get temporarily halted, we be back. I'll be telling them tomorrow. I'll be back. <laughs> Your priorities obviously aren't where mine are, so this show's never gonna work. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, other than that, uh, week's been well. The heat's been up and down. I've been swimming to to stay cool. You know how yeah, there you it go. goes. Yeah. You Get know. that Michael Phelps body. Yeah, work on them shoulders. Uh, yeah. Other than that, gaming the usual. Watch a little bit of Space Jam. Just got yeah. added on to HBO Max. I watched the whole thing. Yeah. What did you think? Uh, well, passively. I mean, I, w- I wasn't fully attentive to it because it's Space Jam. Yeah, <laughs> it is what it is. Yeah. Like it wasn't telling a, a deep, compelling story with twists and turns. It was telling something else very. Very straightforward. However, still very heartfelt and meaningful a story about, you know, father, the father and son relationship, you know, and, you know, it was also feel to you, see the, uh, the Looney Tunes again. It felt good to see the Looney Tunes. I like the justice that they gave to Lola Bunny in the uh, modern era. She's a, she's the one baller on the team. <laughs> she's the one baller on the team. She's like, um, you did you see any of her sections? The only part I saw was uh, her introduction. So it was her going through the. Uh, so what I loved about this movie was the total embracing of all like the Warner Brother properties. Yeah. So I saw her properties I didn't even know were part of Warner Brothers. Yeah, and so uh, I saw basically her introduction with her basically trying to be an Amazon. <laughs> okay, you didn't see how that finished, did you? Uh, I saw. Yeah, I saw enough where she's now on the team. She basically, okay. uh, yeah. So they, yeah. They so I thought, I thought that was cool. Like she did, she did her thing. She became an Amazon. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Went through, the, went through the gauntlet. That was awesome. And then, like, of course, you have 
those trolls online when Space Jam was coming out, like Lola's not hot anymore. They purposely, they purposely <laughs> toned her down. And I'm like, she's still kind of hot. Like she still has that Lola bunny arching her back with her ass up in the air. <laughs> I feel like, I feel like, but from what I saw, Bugs Bunny was still giving her the eye. So yeah, that's her, that's his boo thing. Uh-huh. <laughs> He's all about it, but she's doing her own thing. She's, She's strong. She's independent. She's a leader. She's got skills. She's a warrior. (laughs) And and she's not sexualized while still being sexy in a little way. So, you know. Yeah, by the way, the internet's always going to take something animated and sexualize it anyway. So let the internet take care of that. (laughs) Exactly. I'm I'm glad she wasn't just eye candy Mm -hmm. like in the last movie. (laughs) <laughs> like I'm sure she probably had ball skills as well, but they they completely just overdid it. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, she was dope. She was like a, a normal fucking person, a dope ass baller. So yeah. Yeah, I saw like something online that um they're like, you know, with the Mass Effect Legendary Edition, people found a way to get all the uh was it Miranda ass shots back into the game. <laughs> of course they did, because that's yeah. the first thing people yeah. had to had to rectify that my, my boner isn't I don't have enough of a boner while playing Mass Effect. <laughs> it's like what people are thinking. <laughs> Fox News isn't pissed off enough about this. Yeah, what is this? Uh, yeah, I'm the Roger no, Ailes. Of, I'm the Roger Ailes of gaming. <laughs> like, yeah, Space Space. It was it was a fun movie, especially when you keep in mind that it's a kids film. It's not made for adult critical viewing like that. It's a good time. I enjoyed it. Yeah, I had a good time. Uh, I didn't finish it, but yeah, it was like, it was fun. Like I was watching it and we were like immediately like watching it, like laughing, kind of like at LeBron's acting, but at the same time, yeah. it's like, <laughs> it's, it's, it's fucking Space Jam. Like you're not watching it for LeBron's acting. Him, um, him acting like a dad. Yeah. <laughs> and, and by the way. And like LeBron dad. A bad dad. Like you, you ain't playing basketball, playing these video games. <laughs> Try to, try to toss that steam deck aside yeah <laughs> like, his, his son, son is made, in there designing a game has made the greatest nba jam style video game <laughs> has probably hundreds of thousands of subscribers to his stream yeah. playing his game already not done got all, got all of lebron's moves in it <laughs> all his moves graphics are amazing yeah <laughs> Need to be playing basketball. Need to be playing basketball. Wasting your time. You got a one in seven million shot of going to the NBA. <laughs> we got to the game camp. Like it's just, I, I just I don't like how outmoded of of a parenting style it was that they gave for him for being who he is and for like it, it's not like his son was just sitting around playing video games like we all did back in the day before we realized there was an industry or before you know there was a such thing as professional gaming like his son was sitting there making a game that's that's insane if i if if i saw anyone's child doing that it doesn't even have to be my child which doesn't exist but <laughs> i don't care whose child it is if i see them playing a game and i see their parents like oh you you don't need to be messing around with that. I'm like, excuse me, your child could make something that's going to pay for you and your family's legacy for the rest of your lives. So yeah. let that kid do what they're doing. Encourage it. Support it. Yeah. Yeah. Coding, well, coding boot camp. The, get, the E3 get, coding boot camp. 
Go to that coding boot camp. Like now nah, you got the ba- you got the basketball camp. <laughs> take your kid to PAX. Take your kid to all- take your kid to any trade show that's open to the public. Invest in all the free resources and tools there are. Get them on Unity. Get them on Unreal if there's a free version of that. And just just watch that seed grow because that kid's going to be able to not only make something that's incredibly well polished and finished but they're also going to be able to distribute it without going through a publisher and be able to pocket more of that revenue so wake up parents don't don't be like don't be that way (laughs) yeah well like as as you like as we all know the movie it wouldn't be there if that idea wasn't already something that wasn't you know more prevalent that's why I think, like, obviously LeBron was able to take on the uh, the bad dad role because it was it was, the the message was going full circle. You need to find the fun in life. It can't be mm-hmm. all serious. Yeah, um, so yeah. I, I enjoyed like I enjoyed where it was going, and I just kept reminding myself it's a kids movie. I loved Don Cheadle's over the top acting, like as yeah. the bad guy. <laughs> it's just <Yeah>. great. <laughs> He's he can do anything. You rejected me. <laughs> <laughs> was, Al, it, algae, algae rhythm yeah the algae <laughs> rhythm <laughs> yeah. yeah so i, I enjoyed um at least uh, the first hour of the movie i enjoyed so i'm looking forward to finishing it tonight but let's say uh, yeah, let's get into it a dub oh you want to you want to talk about how you've been or should we get into video gaming i mean i've been chilling man just working out a little more i told you i got a physical clean bill of health I'm like a champion racehorse out there. You can play video games and be healthy, Aiden? Yeah, you can. <laughs> <laughs> as long as you reward yourself with the game after investing in yourself with the extracurricular activity, you know, don't, it, it's not an either or. If you want to do both, you can do both, but make sure that you do both. And like the video games are going to be there, but time won't. And it's, it all comes down to how you, utilize your time i've chosen to focus more heavily on investing in myself and you know health you know per- personal self-improvement and when i have a spare moment i cut on the game and when i cut on the game i like to tell y'all what i've been playing <laughs> so what you've been playing it uh... you know I, I took a little break from my studying even though i'm been beating myself up for that however I got into Diablo three. Yes, <laughs> I I don't know why the hankering came up. I forget exactly what the catalyst was for that desire. Do you even However, do you even question it at this point? If you have why you want to play Diablo three after what is it like maybe ten years? <laughs> uh, no, never. I never questioned it. But now I remember it was they put out the quarterly update for Diablo four, the June twenty twenty one update, and this one it was just packed with all kinds of little videos and images of what they're doing with the character customization and just the overall design of the enemies and things of that nature. So I I got to see the characters in motion. I'm seeing different armor sets, different colors, and you're going to have full character customization right out the gate. So it's, it's not just, you know, male or female. It's Male, female, eye color, tattoos, face paint, hairstyles, skin color. So all that kind of stuff on top of you being able to apply the different kinds of dyes and things that you saw in Diablo 3 to your different pieces of equipment in order to give you your your personalized look. So your barbarian ain't going to look like my barbarian. <laughs> and even my 
different barbarians aren't going to be entirely the same unless I want them to be that way. So, you know, saw a lot of that and just seeing bits and pieces of Diablo three emotion, seeing animations of the different, of different attacks and like running animations and just seeing all the customization cycling and what the different looks could yield. I was like, I, I need, I need a hit. <laughs> I got to get something in my veins real quick. So fired up Diablo three. I don't know what season it's on, but the one character I haven't done in season play yet was a necromancer. So decided to do that. Went from zero to Paragon 310 in like the past three or four days. And that's not to say that I played the game for a very long period of time. I think I only put in maybe a total of like anywhere from five to 10 hours over the week. But in doing that, I just set myself a little short-term goal in order to keep my playtime under control. I was only going to play until I completed the first four chapters of the season journey. That's what you need to complete in order to unlock all of the season rewards. So I went in, I did different things with my Necromancer. I'm seeing different kinds of equipment and legendary abilities that allow me to outfit my Necromancer with stuff that's that allows me to just dig more into the already copious amounts of power that the class offers. The first and only time I ran a Necromancer, I think I went with Corpse Explosion, the Rathma's Bone set, and uh, the Jesseth, the the set that has the single-handed scythe and the bone, and the, uh, bone. it's either a bone shield or like a bone, whatever the fuck that thing is that they love to take in their hand, whatever. A phylactery, there we go. But I got that and it was just like command skeletons, skeletal mages, corpse explosion. This time around, it was skeletal mages, but it's archers with the command skeletons and the curse because I found a legendary that gave me extra 200% damage against enemies that are cursed. So I turned my curse into an area of effect that way, any enemy that gets close to me, automatically curse, automatically 200% damage. And then on top of that, I had another legendary where if, if there is any enemy that's cursed, I get like a 50% damage reduction bonus. So yeah, that kept me alive. That helped me do extra damage. I got my, my legendary gems going, boosting my power, boosting my pets damage, my minions, and got the smite happening just hitting them with that 3000 3000 3000 there's <laughs> all that weapon damage falling from the heavens and it was nice i was just tearing through the game on torment 11 like like it was paper mache didn't get all of the items that i was looking for in order to really get the most power out of the build but i set a limit i stuck to it i got to the end of the season journey's first four chapters and I threw Diablo back in the case. Time to get back to my studying. Time to continue enriching my life so that I can, you know, afford to keep gaming and remain an independent <laughs> and live more comfortably and continue to game on my free time once all this is over. But AMC, what have you been playing? Yes. <clears throat> so today, or actually it was last night, I put down Hades, put in that work on Hades. Oh. Gave him that work on Hades. Uh, yeah, so 
just been putting in like weeks of just experience unlocks and um, just getting to learn more about this game and this world. And I kind of felt it. I first played Friday night after everybody went down and I, um, I put in a good run, got to that final boss fight and actually died in the first phase of the boss fight. But um, I got there. I'd been, I'd been consistently getting to that final boss fight. So I know that I kind of have a somewhat of a mastery of this game at this point. It's just learning that final boss and trying to get it, trying to come up with the perfect build going into that fight. And one thing about roguelikes is there's never really the perfect build, but you can always kind of skew your character to kind of maximize whatever build is available to you in that, in that run. <clears throat> and so in this run, I got something actually new. Uh, so I, I know what my favorite weapon is inside. So been consistently working with the, uh, the gun, which has an auto fire and it's secondary fire is a turret, like a turret bomb that shoots up in the air Ooh. and it hits the ground. And one of the things that immediately changed the game for this final run was I got uh, a new a new ability, an add-on, a buff to that turret, which gave it a wider range, a wider area of effect, and on top of that, gave it plus three hundred percent damage to that mm. special attack. The downside of it, the flip side of it, is it um, I take damage if I'm anywhere within that area of effect on the on the bomb blast, uh, and so it has a stronger attack, and I can take damage, but as long as I maneuver myself well enough, it's not an issue. And so, yeah, that was always like kind of the concern with it. I did it and it immediately changed the game because I was just one-shotting enemies. Boss fights, I'm taking them out without um, even a, a, the fear of losing a life. I have about, at this point, I had upgraded my character enough where I had three lives in a run. And then I got a modifier from another character which added an additional life so i basically have four lives on every run at this point on my final run so i had i had the survivability there um and now i have this attack to like take it to the next level and the big thing that i've been trying to figure out when i was making those runs and losing that final boss fight was is it a defense thing do i need more defense do i need to focus on defense buffs over attack buffs or should i focus on upgrading my attack and I think this one, I found the perfect balance because I necessarily didn't kick up my defense, so I was still taking the same amount of damage, but the fact that I had more lives meant that at least I have more survivability. And then on top of that, having a big attack then gave me enough punching power to then at least take down the enemies before losing health became an issue. And so I got all the way to that final boss fight, and I could do the first round, which is the, uh, the first health bar. I take that down pretty easily just because I had enough experience with it at that point. Then I get to that second phase of the boss fight and I'm doing pretty well, taking them down, taking them down. And then I get to the second half, like, you know, the bottom half of that second health bar and shit just gets wild. And he does this spread attack, which is like a beam that comes around and it has just the thinnest layer of area that you can live within it without taking damage. And I was just not prepared for that. So I'm getting hit trying to run to cover as i'm getting hit and it's just melting my health so it'd be like it would hit me and as i'm running to cover that's one life down then i would shoot off that turret get off like an attack get off another attack and then he builds up he does that attack again where it's just that full spread where um and i'm running taking damage taking damage lose a life finally get to cover then um he stops that attack and then i get off like two mortar hits it gets all the way down to literally my last life 
I send off the mortar and I'm just running. And <laughs> as I'm about to die, that mortar hits the final boss, takes his bitch ass down. And then the game uh, carries on to, you know, I make it out of the underworld. I go find the character that I've been looking for. Just one spoilers here. Cause I know a dub will probably be playing this game down the line. I'm not going to remember. Yeah. And then, um, you know, have that discussion with that character. And basically I learned that, um, you know, there's a reason why basically they give a reason narratively of why you have to continue to do more runs and keep that, like that gameplay loop going. And so I'm now back in the underworld. And I, what I did after this was I just talked to everybody. because I wanted to see their, their reaction to me finally making it out of the underworld and just to see if there's anything unlocked. And I will say this, I beat the final boss of the game. Um, there's still plenty of story left and there's actually two rooms in that hub world uh, after I die that I still have yet to unlock. So that means uh, that there's still a lot more of the game to play if I choose to continue these runs and, you know, unlock more of the content. And so I will continue to do that. They also added a somewhat a new game plus, which is um, it's you can add difficulty to the game and with that it builds up like we'll just say a momentum meter and if you build up that momentum meter um it at, at some point this is what I, what I read at some point it cashes out and you get a a big bounty from that and so there are ways to um with your characters buffed up to then add more difficulty because you know how people like difficulty and um <laughs> you know reap some rewards from that uh so i do have a reason to go back so i will continue to play hades it's just it won't be my main game and We'll see what happens, but I absolutely loved it. It was, I loved even the way I beat it. The fact that that final boss fight had some skill. And then just like on, what is it like Metal Gear or even like Dragon Ball Z, it comes to a point where you no longer even have your Super Saiyan skills. You're just fighting with the black hair (laughs) with that boss. Neither one of you are really powered up to the level that you were when you were at your peak in the battle. And it's just, you're just trading blows in the last, and it's a war of attrition. The last one standing wins the fight. And that's how it was. So it was, it was just a beautiful way to end the game. Um, And so, yeah, I I look forward to more run-throughs, but I also look forward to that next game. And so, return next week and you will find out what i have moved on to do we have any idea what those options are right now it's looking like dead cells and cuphead mm. the, damn now, <laughs> those are some heavy hitters yeah and then there's there's one so dead cells here's the thing dead cells cuphead they're both on my nintendo switch and i have not really gamed on the ps5 other than uh the division two and so i want to play a game that isn't too long that's why i'm kind of leaning towards uh dead cells cuphead um and so the other game that i have on there that's another i believe roguelike that i could play on the ps5 a dub that might come out of left field because i bought it and just haven't touched it would be the game that we played that we demoed at psx that would be wizard of legend <laughs> so yeah i gotta know everything about that yeah so um i might be playing wizard of legend if i get that itch to play on my ps5 but uh yeah i have a couple bangers left to to you know get into but let's get into these topics of the week Top topics of the week you want to lead it off Ada? i'm gonna lead it off amc Damn. you got some big ones I, I think I'm gonna just get right into it. Yeah. <laughs> I'm gonna just get right into it. So, Double Fine, the developer of Psychonauts 2, mm-hmm. 
has announced that their game will feature an invincibility toggle. Oh. As all people should be able to enjoy games. Mm. Mm. Interesting proclamation. So this news comes uh, about simultaneously with a tweet that was published on the Xbox Twitter account that said something to the degree of beating the game on the lowest difficulty is still beating the game. So once that came out, then Double Fine retweeted it and announced this information about Psychonauts 2 having an invincibility toggle where the player will be able to go into the options menu and turn off or on invincibility as they see fit. So their quote says, uh, if you beat Psychonauts 2 with the invincibility toggle on, you still beat Psychonauts. Too. <laughs> ah. All people should be able to enjoy games, all ages, all possible needs. It's an ongoing and important process for our industry and a challenge we need to we need to meet. End of the day, we want you to have fun, to laugh, to experience a story that affects you on whatever terms you want. AMC, how do you feel about this? Um so here's the thing. I have no problem with them putting this in the game. Uh, you know, this is a whole discussion. We've we've covered this in other episodes when, you know, when you played Sekiro and there was mm-hmm. that whole discussion of, oh, the game's too tough. Um, I even brought it up when I played, was it Wolfenstein 2? Uh, and the enemies just about, keep coming. Yeah, the enemies just keep coming. Uh, you die too easily. Uh, you just get shot in the back and just and just die and have to restart. And I played that game, and the one thing was I can save at any point in the game. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's something I quickly learned. And then I, as I, a term that we can discuss, we, we, we you know, we can get into it, uh, that get good term. I got good at the game, and I played it. So I mean, here's my thing. Sekiro, <laughs> same with every game I play. Like, it's... I, I, we'll, we'll get more into my backstory. Yeah, yeah. Here, go for it, MC. And so my whole thing is just uh, the idea of, yeah, good for you. I like that. Uh, if you want th- your game to be as accessible to as many people as possible, that's cool. I play uh, Super Mario 3D World, and there's this thing that um, if you die, like if I go into a level with 20 lives and eventually I'm down to like two or three, uh, they give me an option where I can get this... Um, was a raccoon suit that make pretty much makes me invincible so then at that point i all i have to worry about is the platforming i don't really have to worry about getting hit or anything along those lines and you it's an option it. it's, yeah it's available you could take it or not yeah yeah yada. did you ever do it uh yeah, yeah of course i did of course i did i'm playing with marissa marissa's like i'm taking it and so if she's taking it then i might as well just take it at that point <laughs> It's it's the it's the experience of playing a girlfriend game versus playing single play. If I was playing by myself, hell, it would be one hundred percent fuck no. But playing with other people, I don't really give a shit. I'm just enjoying the experience of playing a game with my wife. So there's a time and a place. Yeah, exactly. And here's the thing: it had it there, and it's like, oh, that's awesome. But the reaction I don't have is, oh, they have it there. Why doesn't this such such and such have it? You know what? All these games are now suddenly fucking up. <laughs> like, why isn't it there all the time? <laughs> yeah, and so like I, I think it's one of those things that uh, like people just start shaming other developers that don't get on this on this wavelength, as opposed to just like it, you know complimenting it when it does happen on a certain developer. And so it's almost this uh, you know you hear this term virtue signaling, and it kind mm-hmm. of when it becomes a news story. That's where it feels a little bit like it's virtual signaling, virtue signaling, <laughs> virtual, virtual signaling. signaling. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
<laughs> so I don't know. How do you feel, Adev, about this whole thing? Well, the the thing that bothers me about it, and yes, this does bother me a little bit, is that you have difficulty settings. You have normal, you have hard, you have easy. Easy is easy. That's what you do. It's for me, it's like I guess just for me, like I used to play games normal all the time. I didn't I didn't want to get a greater challenge. I mean, when I first started gaming, I couldn't beat the first level of the original Super Mario Bros. Like I couldn't I could not get to that in a level. We would play the game, kids from the neighborhood would come over, everybody's just beating levels, passing the sticks. Before they were sticks, it was just a D-pad. But everybody just passing the controller, beating levels. I get on it, dead. Every time. And it was it was a big thing for me because I really wanted to be good at games. I wanted to be able to see more of them. And eventually I got to a point where Super Mario Brothers 3 came out. I beat that entire game by myself. That was the first game I ever beat. And it it was just a great feeling knowing that I had finally gotten the proficiency necessary to start completing games. And, you know, fast forward years later, you know, beating Mega Man X, beating Chrono Trigger, beating just most games that come in front of me, I end up completing them, different game types, all kinds of stuff. Eventually I get to God of War 2. And not only did I beat that, but I beat it like in two or three days after it came out. And just to me, that was a bit too fast. I felt like I didn't get my money's worth. So that was the day I decided, all right, every game I get, I'm going to start playing it on hard because obviously I've outgrown normal difficulty. And since then, like I've, I consistently get the kind of challenge I'm looking for. Uh, since then, like I, I played Horizon Zero Dawn on, on the hardest difficulty that it offered on day one and had a blast with that platinum, that game. And it's like, even back in the day when there were cheat codes, you still had to go out of your way to get those. You still had to do something in order to enable them. What bothers me about this invincibility toggle is that it's just there. You don't have to do anything for it. And it's like, I feel like you should at least complete the game on at least the easiest difficulty setting and earn something like that. Just to give it to people. Like you said, it turns into this thing where people start shaming other developers. Like, why, why don't they do this? Oh, and FromSoft can't put it in easy mode. It's like, yeah, because that's their vision for their game. For Psychonauts 2, their vision is to have this invincibility toggle. And again, like, it's, it's also a respect thing. I think that more gamers should learn how to respect the vision of the developers with their games. And even if you are playing, I'll, I'll side with and support the statement that even if you beat a game on easy, you're still beating the game. That is indeed true. But if you're going to play a game with invincibility mode enabled, it's not even a game anymore. It's, it's the equivalent of virtual tourism at that point. There's just, there's no consequences there. You don't have to learn anything. You're just dicking around with no consequence. And I, I don't support that. Yeah. It's, um, I, I, I can't like, 
like I got so upset at the idea of it. I was like, if this becomes a thing, it's I start kind of losing the argument in my in my own head of if video games are art, because if it gets to a point where like I can't think of another genre of art where the artist literally just like listens only to the audience and then works based off of that. Mm -hmm. There's something that gets lost in that. And it's like, like, uh, like any form, like where it's comedy, like it's somebody has to be offended uh, by it in order for it to like really be thought provoking or even just like, even just to, to have like some type of stakes with it, which is, and that's what you appreciate from any form of art is like, it's kind of pushing some type of boundary. It's taking risks. Yeah. And once you take any of the risk out of it, it's what is it then at that point? And so, yeah, like, uh, like a part of me is just like thinks of that. And, uh, and so like with like video games, like if it gets to a point where literally like they're just listening to like, well, we don't like this. And because it makes us feel inferior, but it's like, but you look at it and it's like, well, am I going to compromise my my idea just because a couple of people are upset with um like my choices then that's i don't know that that feels like you're losing your own product then to the community and it then like kind of taints it in my eyes and so that like once again that's where i put the respect into the developer's hands as opposed to the community. And there are things that are like good like if the if the culture changes in some ways where it's like hey you don't really need to show like over-exaggerated titties all the time for every female character and things like that. I don't mind like things along those lines. But then once you get to a point where you're saying, I'm going to just make this game so watered down that there's nothing offensive about it, then it's like, I don't know, that's a, it's an overcorrection in my eyes. Nobody in the game has any kind of genitals or defining features. <laughs> yeah. And like, and even like, if you put it in context too, like when I, when I said, like I played Super Mario 3D World and it has that option. Well, you look at those games, like especially a lot of Nintendo games, those games are very family oriented. And so you kind of understand why they would put something like that in those games. Whereas if you think of like a game, like a From game, that's a pretty hardcore in a sense game. And so you're making it for that particular audience. So it's a lot of times you're creating things with a, a spectator in mind, as opposed to trying to make something that's just for everybody at, yeah. th- at that point you don't you're not really making it for anybody well i have a i have a conspiracy theory <laughs> about this because at first when we just got the news it was just double fines doing this it's like okay whatever you know it's it's one developer doing a thing i don't agree with it but whatever it's just one developer doing the thing but then kotaku ran an article talking about and sensationalizing it to to their typical degrees. It's like, oh, Microsoft is saying the get good era is over. (laughs) But that is not what Microsoft said. But that's where I discovered that Microsoft had first made their statement about beating the game on easy is still beating the game, which was then followed by the double fine retweet with the announcement of this feature, knowing that Microsoft owns Double Fine and seeing this happening, that looks a little too coordinated for me. And it's starting to give me the idea that perhaps Microsoft identified the the easy mode discussions that come up annually or whenever FromSoft releases a game. And perhaps this is their way of making their products and ecosystem more appealing to the people who've been demanding easy, easy mode and tough games. Yeah. It's, 
sorry to cut you off, but it, it very no, much it. it reminds me of something that we've discussed from a certain developer that's uh, on everybody's shit list at the moment. But CD Projekt Red would do this all the time, where whatever headline that there was, they'd be like, "Well, you know, Cyberpunk isn't gonna have <laughs> like, yeah. like anytime there was something that gamers were mad at, they'd be like, "Well, Cyberpunk, you know." <laughs> and we, you cut- we don't believe in that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> over here at CD Projekt Red, we don't do that. We're not yeah. stopping like that. <laughs> yeah, and so uh, a part of me feels like that the kind of Microsoft is doing that thing where it's like, how can we quickly win the headline? Like, <laughs> yeah. And so they just look at it and it's like, over here at Microsoft, we feel like people should get what they want. Like, <laughs> not o- not only do we respect that you play on easy mode, we're going to give you a visibility on the game. Yeah. <laughs> So I wouldn't be terribly surprised if going forward with Microsoft's incredibly expanded roster of first party studios that we that we'll see more things like this on their first party offerings where there'll be an invincibility mode or there'll be, there'll be some kind of mode that goes above and beyond easy mode in order to make the game more quote-unquote accessible because this for what this is and what this is doing it didn't need the kind of like focus and spectacle that's being put on it unless it was appealing to a specific market segment because it's like sony has games that have expanded accessibility options i think uh ratchet and clank has great accessibility options. The Last of Us 2 was lauded for its incredible accessibility options, even for colorblind people. Like it's, this stuff is happening already. They aren't the first people to lean into accessibility this generation, but they're making a specific point of beating the game on easy and having an invincibility mode and like using that as okay. And like I said, it's, I don't have a problem with people using it. My issue is with it being accessible as a feature and just right out the gate. But, you know, there are some people who don't like my viewpoints. There are some people who think that I I care a little bit too much about what other people do. (laughs) There are some people who be trolling. Troll of the week. We So today's trolls, in a little bit of a twist, they aren't coming sideways at the invincibility mode. They're coming sideways at the people who don't fully support it. <laughs> First troll says, too many gatekeepers in the gaming arena. Accessibility is important. Yes. Gatekeepers now, you know. Yeah, gatekeepers now. So again, if you look over the discussion, nobody is saying like, oh, it's easy mode is not beating a game. Oh, you shouldn't have this. Nobody's saying that. People are just a little apprehensive and a little weird about it just being a thing that's there immediately. It's like, like imagine sending a cop to or sending a, a police candidate to the academy and then giving him a badge and a gun on day one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so yeah, here's your badge and your gun, and you're gonna have to go through several months of training. It's like, like 
but I get to take this home and use it. Yeah, sure. Yeah. <laughs> Kill away. Yeah. Oh, man. Next troll says, I'd rather have games that are accessible to as many players as possible. Uh, I don't know how I feel about that. <laughs> I don't I don't think games should be accessible to as many people as possible. And I know that sounds like rude or inconsiderate, but it's something like what AMC said earlier. It's like if you make a game for everyone, you're making a game for no one. Is when when do we get back to the point where the primary objective is making a good game? A good game isn't going to be for everyone. So you're just going to have to cater to a certain group of people that are going to like this particular type of game and the particular type of experience that it offers. Because once you start opening things up, you're going to have to include things that are going to either take away from the experience, water down the experience, or otherwise make the experience less good for everybody else. Like it, easy mode for Dark Souls, then they have to design this game where there's just different levels of challenge. And then how are they going to implement that? Is it just going to be like when you get on the higher levels, the enemies take more hits or when you get on the lower levels, are they just going to be hitting you with wiffle ball bats? And, you know, then you get to this point of the developer's vision, like with Psychonauts, they want it to be accessible to as many people as possible. And that's, that's great. But, is Psychonauts that great of a game to begin with? I've never played Psychonauts. I haven't played Psychonauts too. It's not out, but you know, as much as some people enjoy Psychonauts, I don't ever hear about it in conversations. It's not necessarily one of the games that's talked about the most. So is it being accessible, making it a better game, or is it just putting more bullets in your easy mode gun then you can shoot at people who like dark souls and eternal yeah like my question would be not even is it a good game it's was it a hard game to begin with yeah. like almost like what i be didn't like, need this yeah it's like like almost like like was it already an easy game and then there and then they just quickly grabbed the headline of we added an easy mode on top of our easy game and so like it like it ends up just being one of those things like oh they actually made a game that was as tough as a as dark souls and now they're making a game that's as easy as ho hokum uh yeah so like you get to a point where it's it's like was it already a tough game and they decided to you know put on what is it the the bumpers like kid proof mm -hmm. it or was it a game that they just basically just added an invincible mode on a game that was already pretty easy to begin with it's like dumping a bag of pillows into a bounce house yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah so i i like it's almost what like i don't know i like the, i almost need to hear more of the story to see if like this was a thing that people were upset about with the previous Micros Micronauts games and then Micronauts. Or, <laughs> Micronauts, Psychonauts games. And now suddenly like, they're like, okay, I can actually play Psychonauts moving forward. Yeah. It's like, they aren't, they aren't lowering the barrier of in to entry. <laughs> they're just, they're just making the gate wider. Like, it's that kind of thing, but it's not like a lot of people were trying to go through that gate to begin with. It's, and then that further fuels the idea of of the conspiracy theory that this is specifically targeted marketing in order to appeal to a particular crowd that up until this point was being underserved. So 
they can say that, yeah, we got easy mode, we got invisibility mode, get that game pass. Mm -hmm. (laughs) It's all there for you. I'm telling you, this was coordinated. I'm telling you, this is going to be a part of Microsoft's business plan going forward for Xbox. Next troll says, the developers of Returnal should take notes. As a hardcore gamer for 27 years now, Returnal badly needs a normal mode or an easy mode or a save feature. I understand that the main draw is the difficulty and the unforgivingness, but as a person who grew up playing roguelikes before they were even called that, you know all Sega Genesis and NES games were roguelikes. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, First of all, no, Housemark does not need to take notes here. Returnal was successful enough that they were acquired by Sony, and now they are a first party PlayStation Studio after a long career of, you know, exclusive development as a third party. So now they're a first party under that umbrella. They did their job. They got to where they wanted to get. Mm -hmm. They're not closing the doors. They're just making better games now. Uh, Returnal badly needs a normal mode or easy mode or a safe feature. No, it doesn't. No, it doesn't. No, it doesn't. Even one of the people that I talk to online who is a father, who is an adult, who has a life and responsibilities and priorities, beat Returnal. Uh, didn't want to go in, was apprehensive due to the absence of a save feature, was, was constantly one foot out the door, always ready to, uh, I'm putting the game down. Oh, my, my, they came in, they cut on the PlayStation and deleted my run. Uh, I think I'm done. Well, I'll just give it one more run. It's like, yeah, just just keep playing. And eventually they ended up beating the game because the game isn't that demanding. All you have to do is learn and understand its mechanics, execute with at least a high level of perfection. I don't want to say precision. I do want to say. So just get in there, execute, get it done, and you'll be fine. Returnal is not a long game. And it doesn't need a save feature once you understand how it allows you to just skip all the content that you don't want to engage with once you've unlocked it, but whatever. And then we get to this level of, I was playing roguelikes before they were even called that. Like, all right, Matthew McConaughey, we know you were driving Lincolns. But I'm pretty sure roguelikes were called roguelites because when they were being made, they were made to be like rogue. However, hey, get on Twitter, my control issues. Tell me if I'm wrong. Sega Genesis and NES games were roguelikes. No, they were not. (laughs) Number one, they weren't randomized, which is one of the key ingredients to a roguelike. So that immediately knocks all those games off of the list. And there's no reason to go down the rest of the list. This whole post was just a whole bunch of bullshit. Next troll says... Is there anything sadder than people that try to gatekeep difficulty options in single-player games? If your ability to enjoy a game depends on how someone else is playing it, you're doing something wrong. Okay. So then, what does it say to this viewpoint that folks like this tend to express where they want games to be as accessible as possible? So what does it say that I'm in the wrong. I'm sad for caring about this invincibility mode as a detriment 
to the experience or just the way that it's implemented as a detriment. But it says nothing about you, Carrie, that, you know, you think a game should have more modes and appeal to more people, regardless of what that may do to the overall experience or the end product. So it's a bit of a double standard that I see all the time. So if you're going to get on people for caring about how other people play their single player games, then don't sit here caring about how other people play their single player games. You're using other people as a shield to advance your own, your own agenda. It's messed up. <laughs> Next troll says, I like to measure my gamer cred based on how many hard games I beat. Having more people beat games I play invalidates my experience. So you can tell that that's said with a heavy tone of sarcasm. Noted. So, but the thing is, I don't believe anybody actually behaves like that because that's just not a real thing. Nobody measures themselves by how many hard games they beat. Or maybe they do. But nobody is invalidated by having more people beat their game. If anything, people who play hard games want more people to be able to beat those hard games because the thing is, the harder a game is, the less people play it, the less money it makes, the less likely it is to get any kind of future installments, sequels, or other games that mimic the good things that it does. It's, you see those limitations all the time in the character action game community where it's like, oh, yeah, this, this game was great, but it didn't sell well. I just wish games like this were more popular. All these games are turning into over-the-shoulder, ubi-filler, open-world games. And it's like, yeah, they, people who play hard games want a bigger tent. So it doesn't invalidate their experience for more people to beat their games. What happens is that they don't want their games to be dumbed down or made easier in order to appeal to more people. They want people to step up in order to, for their games to be appreciated for what they are. Big difference. Next show says, they added a game journalist difficulty. LOL. <laughs> uh, that is, that's a good one, actually. <laughs> that's a fantastic one because I, yeah. mean, I mean, we've seen a lot of stories about you know, game reviewers that plagiarize their reviews and haven't even played the game, or we see reviewers that author a review when they have only gotten halfway through a game, or we see reviewers that play a game on easy and then say things like the game is too easy. So it's, it's just interesting. I know that there's a lot of ill will and foul sentiment toward game journalists based on things like that. So this was a pretty a pretty precise jab. <laughs> so. Yeah, I know there was like uh, somewhat recently there was a big story about. Um, I guess people were unearthing all the trophies for the journalists um, versus like their comments uh, about certain games to show like, wait, this shows that you only got this many trophies and played this much of the game, and yet you said this, this, and this. So there's, I mean, it's it's a little invasive to like go go to that length but it's also at the same time it does reveal some transparency at least to like at least like i want to see the receipts if you have this comment i want to see the receipt that you actually played this game kind of like well, if you if you if you want to give a review about a game i want to see the receipt that you actually bought it <laughs> i mean hey i mean even in the news reporting sphere there were there was a journalist who was like yeah i was i went to 
went to this conflict, you know, I'm a, I'm an army ranger. It's like, you're not a ranger. <laughs> what are you talking about? So that stuff is don't make up credentials. You don't have, don't speak on experiences that you didn't go through. Just, just be honest, be truthful. Besides your gamer tag and all that stuff, that's public record anyway. So it's, you know, they didn't dox you. It's not like they're trying to get you taken off. It's just like, Hey, you said this, but your record shows that you didn't do this. What the hell? So mm. whatever. Uh, next troll says, by that logic, have I also beaten the game and enjoyed the story by watching someone else play it on YouTube? Good. Because that's what I'll do. Then I don't have to give them money for a bad sequel that's 10 years late. <laughs> so I got a double fine hater, the guy who just waited so long for Psychonauts but waited too long. <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. I mean, it's an interesting question when you turn on invincibility you're stripping out all the challenge so then what's the difference between just watching somebody else play it like you aren't engaging with all the game systems there's no risk there's no consequence if if you're going to go to that link why not just watch it mm-hmm. save yourself some time save yourself some money I don't know these are philosophical questions that we're going to have to mull over and address over the rest of our lives. Next troll says, please keep your participation trophies out of video games. It devalues all sense of accomplishment. If you want to experience every aspect of a game, either get good or watch a stream. Woof. <laughs> Next troll says, it's a video game. It's not a true measure of physical or mental acuity. You did not add any accomplishment on your resume. It will not be in your epitaph. So sad. So sad indeed. <laughs> uh, these are good measures of your physical and mental acuity. I mean, there's plenty of studies that show that people who play video games have better spatial, spatial manipulation skills and spatial awareness, hand-eye coordination, things of that nature. And if it wasn't a measure of your physical or mental acuity, then people wouldn't be having such a tough time with tough games. I know people who can't even wrap their heads around controlling a camera and a character simultaneously with two thumbsticks. So obviously there's some degree of acuity there. So that comments some bullshit. Uh, It doesn't add an accomplishment to your resume. It doesn't. However, it adds an accomplishment to your personal fulfillment. I feel like a better person because I completed Fallout 3. I feel like a better person because I completed Second. I feel like a better person because I've completed all the games I completed. I've taken the time and the energy to guide these characters through their adventure, make decisions, and overcome the challenges that were programmed for me to have. I succeeded, I beat them, and that experience is something that I carry forward to other games that makes them easier to accomplish and something that I may tackle on a higher difficulty depending on how fast that experience goes by. AMC, how do you feel completing games adds to your life experience? Uh, yeah, so that's that's the big part of, for me is it's not necessarily about the difficulty. It's about, um, if anything, it's really about just playing games. Um, and the completing it is actually more of just the feeling of like, you know, finishing my meal, finishing my plate, or just like, you know, completing the workout. It's like, 
I set my I set out to do this thing and I finished it. And that's what's important to me. The difficulty of it isn't really that important. So it's like for me, it's not like if I enjoy running, it's not about doing the marathons. It's about the act of running that I appreciate. And if I go out for a run, it's do I finish the run or do I stop halfway and turn around? And so it's not like, I don't really ever set a goal that's too high. I'm not maxing out every time I work out. I'm not running the furthest distance every time I go out for a run. It's about the experience of the run itself. And so I just care about the fact that I completed it. And if I feel the need to add some difficulty, that's like just a personal choice of mine. But I'm always one of those people. It's like, as long as you're out there playing, that's important. Or as long as you're out there doing your thing, that's important. Now, if it's difficult and I do finish it, there is guarantee, there is for sure a feeling of a of, I guess, a greater feeling of accomplishment when it comes to a game that's really, uh, really tough, or even a game like Persona that's really long. I feel accomplished after beating it because it's I put up with all the hours of that game and I got through all the content and whatever it is, whatever that thing is, I overcame it because the content there was so good that I was willing to overlook the difficulty, overlook the length of the story, overlook the inventory system, yada, yada, yada. Anything else that is seems a little mentally taxing, but is worth it to experience what the content, what content is available for me to go through. That's really what's most important to me. And so, yeah, that's where the feeling of accomplishment really comes from is in the completion, not necessarily in the difficulty. It just adds a different layer to it, I would add on top of that. But it's not something that I look for. I am far from a thrill seeker. I don't play, you know, I don't play Resident Evil games because they're scary. <laughs> like, I, like if anything, I I shy away from those games because they're scary. I'm not looking for that in a video game. But I don't also get mad at the developer for making a game that's scary. It's make just, it less scary. Yeah, yeah. It's just like you know, I don't want a game that's going to make me sweat in that type of way. I, I I don't mind sweating because of the action of the game, but I don't I don't want like the jump scares. And so that's just a thing. But I don't shame them for that. Adev. So would I be able to persuade you to play Dead Space if? EA decided to replace all the necromorphs with Thomas the Tank Engine. Oh yeah, I would play in a heartbeat. Chop off, <laughs> chop off that that engine, that locomotive. <laughs> yeah, cut off the wheels. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, oh, no, yeah, no, no. Um, but yeah, seriously, like, yeah, I it wouldn't matter to me. It's just like, okay, there are a hundred other games that I could play, and so I yeah. don't need to play this. <laughs> just play something else. There's games for everybody. Every game doesn't need to appeal to everybody. Uh-huh. next troll says dark souls needs this <laughs> the <laughs> game itself is fantastic it's a shame to see others not get to enjoy the depths of this game so again we're, we're we got these people who seem to care about what other people play and and how they play it yet get mad when people like myself and people like yourself don't like when games are being made accessible <laughs> <laughs> you know, just all willy-nilly. Like, Dark Souls does not need this. Dark Souls is the game that Dark Souls was designed to be. All people need to do is abandon their preconceived notions about how games like this should be or how games should be in general in order to learn the mechanics of that game, execute in the manner the game requires you to execute, and you'll be able to enjoy it just like everybody else that's made it through the trials of the, the, the kingdom of Lorcan <laughs> and Orlando, <laughs> the painted world, <laughs> Sin's fortress, all that shit. 
It's the game doesn't. Y'all need to get good. Get good ain't going nowhere. Hopefully, Frumsoft holds the line. I'm glad that despite all of the conversation around Returnal needing a save feature, that even though Housemark looked into it, one didn't come around. So the game is still what it is. It's still successful. People who had problems with it at first ended up completing the game. So obviously, it's not that big of a deal. Last Troll says, this is a good feature. All games on PlayStation and Xbox should have this since their fans are mostly casuals or kids. <laughs> uh, what, median age of the average gamer is in the high 30s? So that kills that noise. Oh, mercy. AMC, it's double standards galore. It's Using, using human shields to advance this agenda of getting easy modes and invincibility modes. Overall, the only point that people are making with the announcement of this invincibility toggle when, when we aren't totally on board with it is you should at least have to earn that. Like there has to be something where people are at the bare minimum going through the experience that the developers crafted. Like it's, I, I get rubbed the wrong way a bit when I run into people where I play everything on easy mode. I just, I don't want to, I don't want to go through this. It's like, Oh, well, you just, you just like, you just want to experience as many games as possible. And you, you don't really want to play any of them. And that personally, it just makes me kind of sad in a way. Because these developers, they spend years of their lives. They spend thousands of hours. They get death threats. <laughs> like They go through all of this to make these products for us. And people just get these games, put them on the low, strip out as much of the difficulty as they can, blow through them, trade them back in, which, you know, cuts into the ability of the game to continue to sell new copies and make it successful so that there can be a sequel so that the developer can continue to be successful. And then they just move on to the next game while the uh, game was trash. Uh, the female character wasn't attractive. Uh, just coming up with all these bullshit reasons why they didn't enjoy the game as much as they probably could have if they just relaxed and enjoyed the experience. So yeah, you need to earn it. Like going back to the idea of the participation trophies, it's like, great. You know, uh, I appreciate the sentiment that every kid should get something for their efforts, but let's, let's continue to remain in the realm where people are making an effort to get something. It shouldn't reach the level where you just show up and you get something. I don't, I don't think anybody learns from that is a detriment. How are you ever going to become a better gamer? How are you ever going to enjoy better games if you never challenge yourself to overcome greater challenges in the games that you do play? I didn't get to where I am with games today by just settling for normal, by just selling for easy. It, I could have gave up on gaming because I didn't I couldn't beat the first level of Super Mario Brothers, but I knew it could be beaten. And the thing that really kicked all that over the top was there was a guy who worked for Nintendo that lived across the street from me. And he showed me a video 
of the endings of all the popular Nintendo games at the time, Metroid, Super Mario Brothers 2, Super Mario Brothers 3, the original Super Mario Brothers, just Ninja Gaiden, Simon's Quest, Castlevania, Belt, Simon Belmont, whatever. But it's up to that point, I didn't even know that video games had endings. And seeing that video, that montage, it made it it set a goal for me to start seeing the ends of these games. And from there, I get to a point where I did it so efficiently that I started to, I needed a way to slow myself down. And then, you know, you get to a point where it's me, you, and little knees sitting in a room, drinking 40s, smoking bowls, playing Max Payne 2, passing the sticks, like getting creative. And, you know, not only playing the game on on difficult settings, but then giving ourselves different tools in order to paint scenes with, in order to get better at the game, but better with things that we normally wouldn't do. It's, there's just so much that you can get out of games other than just seeing the beginning and the ending. Like yeah. There's a lot that can happen in between there. Yeah, I would also add too, it's like, to put it into perspective, like, okay, I beat Demon Souls and I would say I'm a good gamer, but if you were to look at like, we're not, we're not talking about me beating Demon Souls, like watching, you know, some dudes at Evo fucking hit like a 20 hit combo for like read frames and yada, yada, yada. Like it's, it's a tough experience, but then there's another level of being an expert and people, when they talk about like gatekeepers, they're talking about like, like, Oh, you got to be like fucking uh waxel when you're playing yeah. when you're <laughs> in order to beat demon souls. It's like, no, 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 no. That's a completely different style of pro gaming. And you, you don't have to be a professional to beat demon souls you just have to actually take the time to learn about like the enemies the enemies movements and then you and then it's just a matter of timing and knowing when to move and when not to strike and that's just a matter of you know experience of playing the game that's completely different from somebody who shows up at evo has logged ten thousand hours in street fighter knows every character knows every move set knows all the footsies all the frame rates all the distance management all that stuff like that's just another level that isn't required to beat a dark Souls style of game those games are tough but it's not at that level but people are trying to build it out like no no, no i gotta i gotta just basically quit i gotta they already said it with returnal i gotta quit my job Mm -hmm. <laughs> I got to stop talking to my wife. <laughs> I got to neglect my kids. Yeah. In order to beat this game. It's like, no, no, no. I got to no. stop feeding my dog. Yeah. You don't have to be a pro at any of these games to beat them. You just have to get good at, at playing those games, which means a, a somewhat an understanding of the style of game and what's needed to, to beat it. But it's very different from being good at a multiplayer game. Those are just two different like levels of a uh, gamer that I would say. I just want people to be honest in these discussions and just say it straight up. You don't want to learn how to play a game the way that a game is supposed to be played. You yeah. just want to get in and either be good at it or completely remove the challenge so that you can do whatever you want to do and have your fun the way mm -hmm. you want it without, without ever having to make your own game. Like it's, it, it comes back to respect. I just think I just think it's completely disrespectful to to just 
take the challenge out. It makes it not a game anymore. It makes it not the thing that the developers designed. These are these these games are the collective vision of a group of people who created these these worlds and these situations from thin air for you to be able to experience and play with your own hands in the comfort of your own home. This is more than a book. This is more than a movie. This is something that you can interact with and experience on your own terms as long or as little as you want to. At least give them the respect of having the experience they crafted for you. That's it. (laughs) And then do whatever you want to do after that. But at least learn their rules, experience overcome the challenges that they've set out and then turn everything off and dig around all you want to and get your dynasty warriors on. But anyway, troll of the week. Troll of the week. Troll of the week. Troll of the week. All right. Yeah, sorry for dwelling on that. It's just that that's an issue that that really strikes at my core personally because it's, for the longest time I've said numerous times better games require better gamers and that was in response to an era when people were that was the i don't understand why people like this game era or like uh it's too hard it's yeah like before it became easy mode before it became well you just had bad taste back when people were just writing games off based on screenshots or like just one thing in our article that they didn't like about a mechanic. Like, oh, I, I hate weapon degradation. It's like, what's there to hate about it? Just get a different weapon, maintain your weapon. Oh, I shouldn't have to do all that. Well, you do. So just play the game the way it's supposed to be played and enjoy the, enjoy the experience. Yeah, exactly. Uh, it's like I start blithering about it because my mind starts racing. It's just, ah, whatever. We need to move on to the next topic. Top topic of the week. Uh, this will be a quick one, uh, a little thought provoking, I'll say. So, to set up the story, um, so we've seen lately, uh, we, we're getting an idea how Sony's going to handle remasters um, oh. as we go from you know generation to generation. Oh. And we saw with Ghost of Tsushima, they announced the Ghost of Tsushima director's cut. You get an island, you pay a little more money, yada, yada, yada. You get these features <laughs> on the PS5. Um, and Don't we pay also, with you. Yeah. And you know, we also got the announcement of um, the director's cut to, God damn it, <laughs> the game just completely slipped my mind, but Hideo Kojima's game. Death Stranding. Death Stranding. There we go. And so we, we're getting an idea of how Sony is going to be handling these remasters. And Hideo Kojima took it upon himself to send out a tweet about the idea of calling his game Death Stranding, you know, the PS5 version, a director's cut. So here we go, Adub. There's going to be a, you know, there's a bit of a language barrier here, so bear with me. A director's cut in a movie is an additional edit to a shortened version that was either released reluctantly because the, because the director did not have the rights to edit it or because the running time had to be shortened. Second tweet. In the game, referring to Death Stranding Director's Cut, it is not it is not what was cut, but was additionally produced that was included. And he writes Delectors Plus, but I'm pre- pretty sure he meant to say Directors Plus, question mark. So in my opinion... Delectors. <laughs> yeah, Delectors <laughs> Plus. <laughs> uh, so, so in my opinion, I don't like to call 
director's cut. Um, and so you kind of, you see right there, he's, he's making a point that um, when it comes to a director's cut, when, it, uh, when you're referring to a movie, a lot of times it has to do with, you know, um, producers, uh, other people looking at it and being like, you know, the best version of this movie is going to have to be without this scene or even a director having to look at it and be like, well, movies are typically around two hours. If I leave in this scene, it's going to be two and a half hours and, or like, yeah, like basically it's going to run longer than a movie typically runs thus longer than the patience that the audience can usually handle in one set in one sitting. And so you then end up cutting material, holding it out. And then later a director will release one called the director's cut, which is the pure vision of the director. Now, what I like what uh, Kojima was saying here is that what he released for Death Stranding is his vision of what the game is supposed to be. Like Sony didn't influence it at all. There wasn't some financial guy saying like, hey, you're giving them too much content. Mm. Like, like, you need to hold it back. Like he decided- We're trying to sell this later. (laughs) Yeah, it's like that product that he put out was the finished product. And now what he's adding here is just additional content that he wanted. Also, you know, he's kind of getting ahead of the idea too that, you know, gamers have said in the past, well, if there's DLC after the game comes out, that means that's, that's just content that was meant to be there and you decided to hold back so you can charge us later for it and he say no that's not what this was either and so his i guess his point being don't call these things director's cut and so uh i don't know a dub how do you feel about it being uh you know playstation aficionado number one on this podcast (laughs) Uh, i guess the terminology doesn't really matter but you know if we're gonna break it down how do you feel about it hey just based I, I agree with the man. Like, based on what we've come to know as the director's cut, this doesn't really apply. Like, it's, it's the improper wording. They're giving you more stuff. They're not giving you stuff that was there that was removed. They're giving you stuff that didn't exist in order to add to the experience. It's like, it's like, like call it the Kojima cut. Like, they call <laughs> Justice League the Snyder cut. Like Snyder came in and reshot stuff and recut the film, and it's a dramatically different film as a result. Like you're not getting that same that same level of difference from Death Stranding, <laughs> and by all means, the Ghost of Tsushima thing should just be called an expansion or like a, the PS5 version or the next gen version. Like it's not a cut; it's it's not recutting the game. It's just adding shit. So, yeah, it's, it's, I hate to use this word because the people who tend to use this word use it improperly or in the improper situations. But in this one, it comes off as pretentious. <laughs> it's, it's, uh, it, it's making more of what the situation is probably as a means to try to differentiate the Sony products from everything else that goes on in the industry. That's exactly the same. And I, I think it's just a bit too much. Yeah. I, I feel like uh, they didn't want to call it a remaster. Uh, or a comeback. Yeah. And so they, 
they, they couldn't find a better term and they're like what's a fun buzzy word that people like to hear when it's like what gets them to come back to like a movie it's like oh the the director's cut or the redux or whatever the redux would even have been better yeah. um there was a metro redux yeah that went over well <laughs> <laughs> exactly uh and so yeah i think it's like one of those things like they're like well this is a thing when people return to a movie uh it's usually for the director's cut so that's what we'll call it we won't call it a remaster we'll call it a director's cut and then Hideo Kojima being, you know, the film buff that he is, it's like, no, 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 <laughs> that's not what this is. Also, you don't want to imply that there was information, that there was content here that either somebody influenced me to keep out of this or that I intentionally kept out just so I could release it later. <laughs> yeah, you're, you're feeding the wrong wolf. In that yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but yeah, we don't, need to, we don't need to dwell on this topic any further unless you have anything else. We can move on to the next topic of the week. Ta- topic of the week. Oh, you have another one, A-Dub? I got another little quick hit. Witcher 3, Wild Hunt is getting its next-gen upgrade. And that's going to come with some extra Netflix series-inspired content. This is where you're supposed to be like, oh. (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah, they revealed the content at at a panel at a digital event. They revealed that the extra content come included with the next-gen upgrades, which are currently planned for release later this year. They didn't specify what the extra items would be, but they suggested it was part of a tie-in with the Netflix series. It might include the ability to wear the armor inspired by Geralt's armor in the show. So something a little extra something to look forward to when we get that next-gen upgrade of The Witcher 3 later this year. A-Dub will be using that opportunity to start the game over from scratch and really dig into it the way that it deserves to be dug out. On the PS5. Uh, Not necessarily because it's on the PS5, but just, (laughs) just like, that's a nice bonus, and it makes it the perfect reason to get back into it, but when I initially played the Witcher 3, I definitely put in several dozen hours. However, I I really wasn't in tune with the setting and the content. It was just too many made-up places and too many, like, words with Vs and Ks all in them. You know, it's, it's, it's Polish, and I'm not too on Polish folklore and history and things like that so there was just a lot of things that went completely over my head or that I just didn't notice so I feel like now coming back to it I'll be able to pay greater attention and understand the world of the Witcher more in order to give it the the attention and care it needs in order for me to get all the way through the campaign AMC how do you feel I mean, I absolutely love the Witcher series. Um, so, uh, and, you know, why not, like, blend the two worlds? You have the people, I'm sure you have fans of the show that picked up the game after the fact. And, yeah, why not reward just that entirety of, uh, like, bring bring the worlds together? And even that, even the fact that this movie was, I kind of, I guess it is, I mean, that movie, the series was based more on the books than the game itself. Um, it's a, it's a way to bridge the gap. So I think it's, it's a cool way to acknowledge, you know, the success of another form of Witcher. Uh, and so, yeah, it, it would, it would definitely get my excitement to come back to, you know, come and see some of the stuff that they had on the show within the game. If they have that Henry Cavill character model, I'm switching. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> it's happening, especially for that for that bathtub scene. Yeah, oh, yeah. That unicorn scene. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, so good. Let's get into our next topic of the week. Top topic of the week. AMC. Let's see. Uh, here's another fun one. A dub. We had an announcement. We watched it before the show. We watched the trailer. This being mm-hmm. Nickelodeon All Star Brawl. Yeah. So, in case you're wondering, fans of of was it of Nick Nicktoons, um, you're finally getting your reward in a great video game that has a little bit of everything. You know, every now and then I feel like we discuss this on the show where it's like. Man, where's this game that has all these characters together? Like, we need we need this in this universe. It can't just be Nintendo who's doing this right. Yeah. Uh, why 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 are there so many untapped wealths of characters and content that just never get to see the light of day beyond the sporadic release of some random thing that may or may not get the marketing it deserves for proper exposure? And so we see in this trailer the announcement, oh, we got a uh, Nickelodeon game. It seems to take after that Smash Brothers style of play. So this is perfectly set up for an all-star cast of Nickelodeon faves. So I'm going to let IGN take it away from here. The Brawler, which looks to be similar to Smash Brothers in style, will come to PS5, PS4, Xbox Series X and S, Xbox One, and Nintendo Switch in fall 2021. So that means it's going to be a bad idea. It's not too many consoles. We don't have a full list of characters just yet, but we know that the game will feature Michelangelo from Ninja Turtles, Leonardo from Ninja Turtles, Nigel Thornberry from the Wild Thornberries, Howard Toastman from Ren and Stimpy, there we go, (laughs) SpongeBob from, you know, Sandy Cheeks from SpongeBob SquarePants, Patrick Starr from SpongeBob SquarePants, Ablina from All Real Monsters, one of my favorite shows. Lucy Loud from The Loud House, have no idea what that is. Lincoln yeah. Loud. Helga from Hey Arnold, absolutely amazing show. Reptar from Rugrats. There we go. <laughs> <laughs> Zim from Invader Zim. And Danny Phantom from Danny Phantom. Uh, <laughs> a couple more details. All Star Brawl will also feature 20 levels based on Nickelodeon shows, including Jellyfish Fields from SpongeBob SquarePants and the Technodrome. From Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. That's absolutely awesome. It will include single-player and multiplayer modes with local and online support for up to four players. You'll also be able to unlock new moves for every fighter as well as earn bonus content for an in-game gallery. Why not just give it all to me right when I start the game? I've already paid for it. Yeah. (laughs) Um, So, yeah, that's every detail. Obviously, they said that is not the full cast, and which is notable because that's a comment that we both made when we watched the trailer was... You got Rugrats, but you don't have Tommy. Like a lot of these, a lot of the characters other than Bunce, SpongeBob are not the main characters of the shows. There, a lot of it's the side characters, which is cool. It's an acknowledgement of um, of these characters that may have been forgotten when you think of certain shows, because all you're really thinking about are the leads. But yeah, there are a couple of notable miss, uh, missing characters. So, A Dub, I pose a question to you: Who would you like to see in that game that we haven't seen so far? I mean, how much time we got left in the show? <laughs> <laughs> Just dip into your nineties childhood. <laughs> well, all right, I'll I'll give you one from the top of the list, and I'll give you one from like the bottom of the list. Like the the I I'm pretty sure they won't do it, but if they did it, it would be the most epic shit ever. So, <laughs> f- 
from the top of the list, you gotta have Quail Man. Yes, that is like, that was uh, immediately I wrote to my brother. I was like, "Man, we did not see any Doug characters. We got to get some type of Doug character in there." I mean, Quail Man, give me some Patty Mayonnaise, give me some BB Bluff. I know you want to see Roger Klotz, and Skeeter. <laughs> gotta have Skeeter. All the Skeeter was made for video games. Yeah. <laughs> cool <all> man. The, <laughs> <laughs> all, all that definitely get Skeeter. His, his attacks have to be leg heavy. and then from the bottom of the list like the just the deepest wish if they really want to make this nick game legit at some point they gotta bring out david the gnome yeah (laughs) (laughs) if they end up putting david the gnome in this game and it's a competent game above all else I'm going to Evo. <laughs> That's <laughs> happening. I will be in Las Vegas. It, I will be waxing. I will be waxing all the ass. <laughs> Just stabbing people with your pointy ass hat. <laughs> with your pointy ass hat. Stroking them, your beard. <laughs> giving them little bits of wisdom and compassion. <laughs> I'm warming that ass. Um, they give me David the No and a David the No level. Oh, with that music is over for everybody everywhere <laughs> i'll tell you what about you amc what are what's your wish list um i mean the big one is definitely you already said it it's doug even if it's not quail man just getting some doug representation in there because i should yeah, just... maybe even his super could be he turns into quail man and like yeah. just whoops your ass with that belt he starts zapping you with his eyes, <laughs> hypnotizing you. Yeah. yeah, they could really do some dope shit. And uh, yeah, it have like part like pork chop as like a, a companion character. That's his name. Uh, they could really do some. Fun oh, stuff the level that. could be like at a Beats concert or in yeah. school. <laughs> <laughs> Banging on a trash can. Jumping on the street light. <laughs> Strumming on my banjo. <laughs> they could do. Oh, this is your time. I'm sorry. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, A-Dub, this is our time. Because uh, yes. this is for every Nickelodeon fan. Um, yeah, the other one I would say, because you had mentioned it in the pre-show, and so we got we to gotta acknowledge it because it is not on here, and it did show up. We did see some new content on Netflix come back to the world of adults. That being Rocco, Rocco's Modern Life. I mean, you got to get that Wallaby in there. You mm-hmm. got to get uh, Heifer. Even uh, what was the uh, the turtle's name? <laughs> uh, I don't remember. Like you just jogged my memory with Heifer right now. Yeah, uh, there there are plenty of characters from Rocco's Modern Life. If not, just get Rocco in there. Um, that was also an incredible show that um, needs some representation. So uh, yeah, please. If we're talking about gatekeepers and needing to represent everybody and appeal to everybody, this is a style of game where you try to appeal to everybody by getting every character that everybody loves in that game. And you take it all the way back. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> you the- don't leave out a single era. You don't leave out a single show. Like, there should be at least one character from every Nick show. Oh, that'd be great. Like if it like so what you're saying is you take it to another level and it's not even the cartoons, like you get like Keenan and Kel in there. Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> if they had if they had your man butt Nick from Salute Your Shorts and yeah. Donkey Lips. <laughs> Donkey Lips, yeah. <laughs> oh man. Uh yeah. Like imagine could... imagine Ted from Hey Dude. 
Yes. Uh, you, you, now you're really getting into it. Uh, yeah, there, there's there's plenty that they could really, if they want to go into that 90s, even like late 80s Nick era. I mean, you get like Mark Summers, some even like a, a Double Dare style of course in there. That would be pretty dope. Um, oh, Mark. Yeah, you, you start like having pies throwing at characters for what we wild do. and cra- wild and crazy kids. You get Omar good, a young Omar good <laughs> with a <the> flat top <laughs> before a baby boy. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, uh, uh, yeah. So there's, there's plenty that they could totally do here that I absolutely just love. Like just dip into that Nickelodeon fandom. It's in a level where. So here was the thing with uh, when PlayStation tried to do this, you know, I, I love the PlayStation characters, but there's just something about like, if you didn't like, you know, tap into an AMC that was, you know, like five years old, there's just something there that like, it just hits me in a different way. And so when Nintendo does it, it's like, yes, like I, all these characters that I loved as a kid, now I'm getting to play, uh, play as them in this different setting you know, like PlayStation, like those characters were somewhat new at the time. And so you see them in the game and it's cool, but it just doesn't have that same um, reverence because it's just not, not as much time has passed, mm-hmm. but there it's, we're going all the way back to like the early nineties, if not earlier with some of these characters. And so, yeah, just the fact that like, it has that, it has that, that appeal in a way that can, you know, tap into so many people. Uh, and as we see, it's, what Nickelodeon has done is like they've done it so often that there are characters that I'm just like, oh, I just was too old at that point to even know what this character is. Uh, but I'm sure that there's some kid that's like, oh, hell yeah, Danny Phantom's in the game or mm-hmm. whoever. Oh, uh, I know they're Invader Zim heads. Oh, yeah, yeah, All definitely. There are people who Plus, probably didn't care about anybody until Invader Zim was <laughs> revealed. <laughs> yes. Uh, and so, yeah, there's. Man, I, I perked up when they showed Reptar. Oh, Reptar, like completely just like took it to another level. And so, yeah, there's there's so much that they could do that they could add into this game that like uh, we just take it to another level. But they're already off to a good start as far as letting people know that, A, this is for the real Nickelodeon heads. This is for like the casuals. These are for the people that loved like some of them side characters, not even the side characters, the toys of the side characters. <laughs> So yeah, uh, I I absolutely love this. Um, you have anything else, Adele, before we move on to the next topic of the week? If Nintendo can do ice climbers and make that work, there's no reason why Nickelodeon can't do Phil and Lil. Ah, uh, yes. As a team. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that would be dope as hell. That so ha- be have Tommy Pickles with the nunchuck bottles tied together at the nipples. Yes. <laughs> That's the weapon. <laughs> there's so much possibility if they really leaned into it and got just totally silly the way that the shows were they they could make this work in a manner i don't think anybody would possibly expect like it could be on some wildest dreams kind of tip but let's get into our next topic of the week topic topic of of the the week topic topic repeating all the words AMC I, I think you got this one this is the this is the main line of the show today oh really okay so I didn't take any notes but you know what let's just get right into it this being Valve's announcement we know we watched it so you know I have enough off the top of my head so Valve uh, a company that um so we had had these these steam machines in the past that was supposed to bridge the gap between the console gamer and the PC gamer 
We did. And yeah, and it you know it never was popular. It was a console. You know, it just people were like, "I have my PC. Why would I get a console?" And so yeah, it, it was just, like a it was an upgradable console. Yeah, and it just you know it which never is hit. a PC. <laughs> yeah, and so it just never hit with a wider audience. And so you know, Valve they they go back into the lab. They do they do their research, and along the way, because you, you got to acknowledge it, Nintendo decides to put out the Nintendo Switch. Uh, the, the Switch ends up selling gangbusters, still selling gangbusters in a console space that ha- now has the PS5 and the Xbox Series X and S. Uh, Nintendo Switch still doing well, and for reasons that we'll get into. Uh, and so Valve, obviously taking note, they decide, you know what, why don't we get into this handheld space? But a handheld space that isn't, you know, the typical, what we would assume from, you know, the Game Boy Advances and the PSPs, you know, that that second tier of gaming, you know, it's kind of a step down, but it's here, it's handheld, and so we'll take advantage of it. They saw how Nintendo was able to take true console games and put them in the hands of you to take on the bus. And so Valve decides, let's release our own version of a handheld, and we're going to call it the Steam Deck. Dun, dun, dun. And, you know, at, <laughs> at the first glance, you hear this and you're like, oh, you know, a Steam handheld, that's pretty awesome. But then you see it and yeah. this is everything. We didn't really get into it last week. And I'm not going to poo-poo it because, you know, there's something for everybody. Nintendo announced the new OLED uh, Nintendo Switch. And people were like, oh, we thought there was going to be a Switch Pro. All the rumors. Blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Everything is crashed. But then we see Valve step in and we say, we're going to put out not only a handheld, but we're going to put out a pretty powerful handheld, strong enough to play, you know, Switch games. That means Death Stranding. That means Control. And all those other games that you normally would not have access to on, you know, a normal, uh, on a normal, like, handheld, you know, on the Switch even. Uh, you got you to gotta cloud game some of those Switch games because the, the hardware just isn't there. So it's able to handle all these. But then we learn also that the Steam Deck is able to run other apps apparently. So they're saying this is basically like a portable PC. So we're like, oh, what? The only portable PC that I know of as of right now is the iPhone. But it's like, hold on, because can your iPhone play Xbox Game Pass? Can your iPhone have Epic Game Store on it? Can your iPhone? And you just keep going. And so you're starting to learn that, oh, this is very much on the level of a PC and that one, I, I believe there's options to mod, like to to uh, at least uh, it has mod support, so you can download mods and then play the mods for those games. Uh, and so it's it's a very open ended hardware, and to the point where I even love the philosophy behind the the Steam Deck in that it's like this isn't even our own exclusive uh, space. So they said, you know, this hardware, this uh, iOS is available to anybody so if you want if a third party wants to go out make their own handheld console console that can run the steam ios on there feel free have at it we want the competition we want this in as many hands as possible and so from there a dub i'll let you take it away just what are your thoughts how much is your mind blown where do we go from here my mind is completely blown and i'll I'll just jump immediately to the the sort of reverence for Nintendo that I have and their innovation in the hardware space. And then, yeah, it's like Nintendo, they put out the Wii U, it's got a tablet. Obviously, they're trying to figure out this way to put the game, put a console game in your hand, and then we get the Switch. 
And it's like, oh, now we can play full console games, handheld, dock it, play it at home, traditional style. And they just revolutionize the handheld, the handheld space. They take mobile gaming to a new level. They basically bring console gaming to the mobile gaming sphere. And then here comes Steam with the Steam Deck, which is completely like perfected that idea because you know when it comes to nintendo they they did it but for themselves they made it so that their games could be played handheld and played on the dock and all that stuff and you know that's great but steam is now blowing the doors open to where like you said not only are now you you're getting all the pc games not just nintendo games you're getting the games that PlayStation puts on Steam and you're getting, you have the ability to run the Steam Deck like it's a PC. So you can put, I'm guessing PS Now on there. You could put Xbox Game Pass on there. You could put Epic Game Store on there and run all that stuff. It's just, it's just a portable PC designed specifically for gaming. So, and you even have the point where other hardware makers can make their own decks that also run the Steam OS and all this stuff. So now what Nintendo's idea, the seed they planted, what that has done is that allowed Valve to then come behind them. And it what they've done is they've basically shown people what the meaning behind getting into mobile games was, because a lot of people were fearful of all these developers, all these console makers talking about getting into the mobile space. Like, oh, they're just going to be making cheap cell phone microtransaction games. This is the end of gaming. And, you know, all the same stuff. But now that the Steam Deck has been shown, we know what it is. Reservations are just going like mad. We, we, not, we get it now. This is like, okay. They're not getting into the mobile space. They're taking console gaming and making it mobile. So this, my mind is completely blown, not only just off of this incredible leap that gaming has made in such a short amount of time, but also just with the, the physical product that is the Steam Deck. I mean, you're running Steam. You're, you have it in your hands. It's got buttons on the back. It's got dual sticks, it's got the D-pad, it's got your buttons, you can put your headphones in, it's got Bluetooth connectivity, you got the Steam store, and you can play all the Steam games on it. Now, granted, you're not going to be able to play all of them at their highest possible settings, but you're able to play them. And so this is the kind of accessibility that I support, where Valve has created a device that's competitively priced and allows people to get into the PC gaming space just easily, where they don't have to build something, they don't have to buy something, they don't have to worry about an OS and all this and that. It's just a, a uniform device. You get it, you got it, and now you got Steam. So that's dope to me. And this is basically... the. This is round two of the Steam Machine, and they're knocking it out the park. They're coming out, they're throwing haymakers. This is dope. You could still put it on a dock. You don't even have to use the, the Steam dock that it comes with or 
I don't even know if it comes with a dock, but you don't have to use a Steam proprietary dock. If you find a dock that you like that has USB-C, you can plug your Steam Deck in it. It's all about openness and just doing what's comfortable. If you already have all your peripherals, they more than likely already work with the Steam Deck. You can get it on mouse and keyboard. You can play games like FTL and such. I know that you were kind of excited at that idea. And dude, like this is a really big deal. And I hope people give it the time and attention that it deserves because this is, it's, it's not so much that Steam is now going to be more accessible and PC gaming is going to be more accessible, but this effectively creates a handheld Xbox. And in a lot of ways, it creates a handheld PlayStation without either of those companies having to do any of the heavy lifting. So it's, in a way, it's almost as if Valve has created a market segment that just handles the hardware that will be able to run all these digital storefronts that have been popping up over the years and mobile gaming has been revolutionized forever. Thank Nintendo, but give Valve their credit for throwing the gates open. Yeah, it's, uh, it even like, it's, it gives so much more opportunity. And that's like the most important thing is it, it creates a lot of opportunity. And like a lot of people, they immediately want to be like, oh, well, like RIP whoever. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but it really just gives opportunity because now you look at it, like that's the thing that we love most about the Switch is that not only uh, are the, you know, the first party Nintendo games are great, but now you have this handheld device that you could play all these incredible indie games on. Like I could now finally play like Dead Cells on the go, yada, yada, yada. I don't have to like sit on a console on my TV and play any of these indie games that could easily run on a handheld console. And so now this is like taking that to the next level because now it's not only the I guess the indie games that got approved by Nintendo, now it's just like pretty much any indie game. It's all the indie games. Yeah, are (laughs) available for everybody to, as long as you have this device that can run run the Steam iOS on it, or Steam OS on it. Um, And so, yeah, it just gives a lot of opportunity to... uh, to those developers and on top of that too it's even like a different revenue source which will be interesting to see how how like playstation views this because the first thing i saw was like holy shit like i can play death stranding on this device on this handheld device and we look at the acquisition of of a housemark who was known for maybe who was known uh, initially at to making these arcadey style of games and then they eventually you know they put out returnal and people are like all right well this is now the next step for them uh and then they get picked up by sony and re- the assumption is all right they're only making 70 dollar big triple a style games moving forward that have like their trademark arcadey style gameplay but now they have to take on this triple a quality but this gives now an uh, an argument or at least an avenue for playstation to possibly put out you know the smaller more traditional housemark style of games and make and completely make money if they release it on playstation and on the steam uh, os and it's just another revenue source for them to make a different style of game that doesn't necessarily have to be you know 70 hours 
uh, with this level of graphics and all this other stuff. It can actually go back to the more simpler style of gaming that a lot of people enjoy, me and you included. Uh, and so, yeah, it just creates a lot of opportunity that might have been held back because of the constraints of having to release it in a console space to what had been identified as the console style of gamer. Um I would say another thing that's really cool about this is that one thing I have been, I would not say annoyed, I won't go as far as to say annoyed because it's something that I've accepted over the years, but when it comes to a console, they pre, they control everything that interacts with their consoles when I'm discussing like Sony, Nintendo, even Microsoft. And so there's a lot of proprietary stuff going on, especially when you think about Sony and even Nintendo. So like I've had earbuds and I can't connect them to my playstation 5 i can't connect them to my nintendo switch and it's really annoying and so i have to use um you know my bose headsets because i have a plug that that can jack right into the controller or right into the nintendo switch with this they said no 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 we're not doing any of that with the steam deck so the guy was like so i can just connect my apple airpods to my steam deck and he's like yep you can connect anything that has like basically Bluetooth. You can connect it to your Steam Deck. So it's even like a lot of the stuff that gets cut off because it has to be approved by, um, you know, by Sony or by Nintendo beforehand. Um, that's, that's no longer the case. So it just, what I love about it is very much like, uh, I guess, Android or whatnot, when people prefer that the options, this definitely opens up those options to the gamer that prefers that style. Now, I will say, there's a lot that has to be navigated here because with that, a lot of that, um, that regulation is a way of quality is ensuring quality assurance. So I'm sure there's going to be, uh, some it's, it's almost, it's appealing to a more educated style of gamer, I would say, as opposed to, you know, uh, uh, a, tra a traditional and i don't want to use this to describe anybody but you know casual style of gamer because you know that if you buy a certain peripheral that's uh that has sony's name on it that's going to work with a sony console or it's going to be optimized for a sony console and so on and so forth so i'm sure there's going to be some things where people buy it and it's like oh this thing sucks it doesn't really work that well with the steam deck or this game doesn't really run that well on the steam deck yada yada, yada. uh and so there's going to have to be a level of research that's done but i I fully believe that this is the type of console that's going to first end up in the hands of that educated gamer who's going to do his research beforehand. And then as more and more products come out, it's going to kind of work itself out. But, you know, those are things that will be worked out down the line. But I, I just love the possibilities that this presents, they do. I'm going to like throw it out. Yeah, it's huge possibilities. I mean, the biggest possibility that I'm celebrating with the Steam Deck is that it's going to give indie developers an even greater opportunity to sell their games. It's going to give them more market appeal and allow them to reach a broader audience because the more people that jump into PC gaming because of the Steam Deck or the more eyes that are going to be on indie games in particular. People are going to be looking for the deals, the cheap games. and That's another thing is that this might also help to make the price of digital games more competitive in the console space. Steam has amazing prices. And <laughs> now that Steam's gonna be just out there on the streets <laughs> and no longer the, the singular domain of the PC master race, people are going to demand more from Xbox and PlayStation in this regard. You know, it's, and that's not going to be dependent on what the brick and mortar stores require in order to continue making their cut. It's like, well, now we have this major competitor that's gaining more market share 
we have to remain competitive. We got to start bringing these prices down. Yeah. So it's the it, it's like yeah, I'm looking forward to indie developers being able to sell more. That means that their games won't be as risky. We'll be able to see even greater improvement in the indie space. We're going to see more people not only getting into gaming, but more people getting into PC gaming. Um, and this, it's not like this handheld is any kind of slouch either. I mean, it has a seven inch, 1280 by 800 resolution screen, 60 Hertz refresh rate, custom AMD APU featuring a four core, eight thread CPU with eight RDNA two compute units for the <laughs> GPU. I don't know what none of that I know means. any of this means. <laughs> yeah. but I do, but I do know 16 gigs of DDR5 RAM is huge. That's what the current consoles have. According to IGN, practically speaking, this makes it a substantial amount stronger than the Switch, allowing it to run modern games impressively well. Uh, as a point of reference, IGN says that uh, one of their people was playing Jedi Fallen Order on an in-development Steam Deck at high graphical settings with little to no issue. So that should give you a very good idea of what this piece of hardware is capable of. Uh, you know, you're not going to be able to upgrade it or anything, and it comes in three different flavors insofar as its internal storage. Uh, it, the price goes up accordingly. The base version is going to be $399 for 64 gigs of storage, $529 for 256 gigs, and $649 for the 512. All three versions are going to include a micro SD slot, and the more expensive two Steam Decks will have faster NVMe solid state drives. So there will be options in order for you to expand your storage. And if you want to spend that extra money, you can get a little faster performance. But internally, all three of the Switch decks are the same. So it, there's not like there's a Switch deck and a Switch deck Pro, <laughs> at least not yet. Uh, an interesting wrinkle, too. And uh, once again, I'd say good for the industry. This one might not be good for the consumer. But an interesting thing to also like keep an eye out for now with this is say this thing becomes super popular. Uh, I would like to see if exclusivity starts to go up even more now. Like, like people, like dev more develop, more uh, the console makers start, you know, buying up exclusive rights to certain things. Only in that, like now, because if you have this hardware that's pretty open ended and has access to a lot more, well, then it's like, all right, well, now we need to start locking down content. And so, like, like uh, officially, like when when it was a, a first announced, when it was first officially announced, like immediately people were just like, "Oh, this is the end of Switch or whatever." And it's like, "Well, no, uh, it's not the end of Switch because you can't get the Nintendo games." Huh? Yeah, exactly. And so then, like, and that was even the thing with like, like Hades. Hades is a game that was on Steam, but Nintendo locked up the limited timed exclusive for the consoles, and so like that was a way of, to get people over, you know at least not get them over but at least like there's a little bit of an appeal like oh they they locked down exclusivity for this game uh and so we're gonna go over to the switch and play it or whatever and so yeah i would wonder then if you would see maybe some of these smaller developers now getting you know interest for exclusivity rights at least or at least timed exclusivity in order to uh you know lock down more content in certain ecosystems to get people you know have something to play over there just something to keep an eye on because we, you know, we already saw a little of that with the Epic Game Store, and so um, I would it would be interesting to see if that becomes more of a thing, um, which is you know, which means 
more money going to developers for more games to be made, as far as I'm concerned. I'm just waiting for the inevitable flood that every like exclusive game article is going to be hit with. The people like, oh, I'll just wait till it comes to my Steam Deck. Oh, I know. Yeah, exactly. So yeah, we'll see. We'll see what happens with all that. But as of right now, this is absolutely amazing. Looks great. Uh, and uh, I know they're already worried about the reservations and everything like that, or the scalpers, I should say. And so they're, they already said that they're going to do similar to what seems to be like what PlayStation did in Microsoft with the uh, setting up queues and getting reservations to buy games to, to try to make sure that you're not a bot or not somebody trying to buy like 10 consoles at once to then, you know, sell for outrageous prices. So um, yeah, this is, this is going to be amazing. And I can't wait to see what impact this has on the industry. Yeah, this is huge looking forward to talking about this for the months and years to come oh yeah all right well so to be honest Ada, we were at the 140 mark so let's just start banging out quick hits from here on out <laughs> um yeah, i ain't got nothing so okay cool so i'm gonna just run through npd real quick then uh this is for june 2021 top 20 best-selling games in the united states number one a dub oh I thought it was too much money. I thought it was too short, a dub. Number one, Ratchet and Clank Rift Apart. What? People looking in the couch cushions found that extra 10 bucks. Uh, it wasn't too short for you. Yeah. <laughs> it wasn't it wasn't too open world. Oh. <laughs> uh, number two, Call of Duty Black Ops Cold War still so because of course. Yeah. Number three, we got another new game, a dub. Mario Golf Super Rush. Mario. <laughs> Number four, MLB The Show 2021. 2021. Five, got another new one, that being Scarlet Nexus. And number right. six, uh, dropping from the number one spot last month, that being Resident Evil Village, so still doing well. Number seven, Mario Kart 8, still selling. Number eight, Minecraft, still selling. Number nine, Marvel Spider-Man Miles Morales, making moving them units. Number 10, Mortal Kombat 11. Oh, we're not going to add any more updates, but people still keep buying it. Mm-hmm. Number 11, Animal Crossing New Horizons. And I'm going to just run through these last couple. Call of Duty Modern Warfare, uh, Super Smash Brothers Ultimate, Assassin's Creed Valhalla, Super Mario 3D World, Mass Effect Legendary Edition, Tony Hawk's Pro Skater 1 and 2, yes. Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild, Pokemon Sword and Sword shield and sword edition and number 28 dub it is back on the list out of nowhere sea of thieves i thought nobody was gonna buy games dub because of game pass apparently i thought it was free sea of thieves yeah no 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 it's uh you have to buy it or get it on game pass oh yeah but i thought i thought people are buying sea of thieves i thought i thought game pass was gonna be the killer of selling video games a dub (laughs) <laughs> it's yet to be seen we'll I, see. I guess i guess it's not it's not a good enough deal <laughs> no. um just hey, I'm, I'm just waiting to see i don't i don't have a lot of hope for game pass i mean it's doing well enough uh let's see and exactly and as you said steam deck it if anything microsoft just future proof themselves if steam deck takes off more people get subscriptions and then they can now what did you say they could play was it uh Starfield on their Steam Deck. Day one. Yeah. So handheld Starfield. As far as you're gonna see a a kid on the bus playing Starfield. 
<laughs> yeah. So it, it seems like as far as Microsoft was concerned, they just want people to get them them Game Pass subscriptions, and here's just another avenue to get it on. Uh, you see, now, if the Steam Deck also spawns imitators, like to the degree that Apple making the iPad created an entire tablet market, then, yeah, there's... It, it erodes the reason for there to be consoles because if we're just going to keep getting these handhelds that can be docked, like that basically just homogenizes the console anyway. Oh yeah, totally. I mean, there, there's still like certain things, like I would say quality of life stuff. So like with steam deck, I probably, no, not probably. I definitely wouldn't really get into multiplayer games on my steam deck. And that's only because the assumption is, yeah, the (laughs) assumption is you're playing against PC players and you know, there's already been all these stories about Titanfall two and just, getting that game getting ripped to shreds by you know people just modding and hacking the shit out of it and so there is something that comes with uh you know a well curated and well you know like controlled ecosystem when you think about sony and microsoft and even nintendo and so yeah you just jeez and so you don't want uh there's just a lot of crashing going on in the background so yeah like there is something to you know having that controlled space but that's here nor there. Let's keep it going. Ratchet and Clank Rift Apart. Uh, here's a note here. It achieved the highest launch month dollar sales of any title in franchise history. Yeah. Launch month dollar sales of Ratchet and Clank Rift Apart more than doubled those of the previous high set by Ratchet and Clank in April 2016. Oh, so it, it sold more than an additional 17%. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Interesting. But they're, they're charging too much, they yeah, It's going to hurt sales, AMC. <laughs> It's too short, AJ. People are just going to wait for a price cut, AMC. Let's see. Mario Golf Super Rush. Launch month dollar sales of Mario Golf Super Rush were the highest ever achieved by a Mario Golf game. The previous high was set by Mario Golf Toadstool Tour, which launched on for the Nintendo GameCube in July 2003. Let's see. The top 10 best-selling games of the year so far. Number one, Call of Duty Black Ops Cold War. Number two, Resident Evil Village. Number three, MLB The Show. Number four, Super Mario 3D World. Number five, Marvel Spider-Man Miles Morales. Number six, Monster Hunter Rise. Mario Kart 8. Assassin's Creed Valhalla. Number nine, Outriders. I guess Game Pass didn't ruin those sales. And 10, Minecraft. Still selling. Damn. 10th best-selling game of the year minecraft uh, <laughs> yeah let's see june 2021 we'll do um the top five of each individual console so top five nintendo number one mario golf super rush mario kart 8 uh animal crossing new horizons super smash brothers ultimate and number five super mario 3d world uh so all just nintendo first parties and despite not reviewing terribly well mario golf moving units still moving units uh playstation's top five number one of course that being ratchet and clank rift apart and then two call of duty black ops cold war and will be the show 21 marvel spider-man miles morales and resident evil village and for xbox their top five number one call of duty black ops cold war call of duty modern warfare resident evil village mass effect legendary edition and yeah. Assassin's Creed Valhalla. And Holla. got some notes for the console sales. Oh, this is new. Xbox Series S. 
Xbox Series S, X and S was the best-selling hardware platform in dollar sales for the month of June, while Nintendo Switch led in unit sales. So that is a first that I've seen Xbox leading the sales, uh, at least in dollars. Yeah, um, they, uh, they set a record for Xbox. Yeah, June dollar sales of Xbox consoles set a new record for the Xbox platform, besting the previous high set in June 2011. By what? <laughs> the, three, <laughs> the 360? I guess so. I have no idea what was going on in 2011. Um, God, it had to be the 360 because the one didn't come out until 2013, like a, a week after PlayStation 4 did yeah so yeah the 360 um, holy shit that's yeah. crazy i mean good for xbox maybe all the all those headlines all the all that uh what is it um accessibility is starting to pay off it uh. so then that that's a pretty strong indicator that they've they've bounced back from the last generation if they're already achieving uh 360 figures yeah and like, exactly late and like late cycle 360 figures not even early so. yeah yeah. And if if anything, it's a sign of cons like just the gaming industry as a whole because you're seeing Xbox Series X and S setting setting records. Nintendo is still selling uh, units wise the most, and there's some more notes, so let's keep it going. Nintendo like everybody's Switch, selling. Yeah, everybody's eating at this point. Nintendo Switch was the best selling hardware platform during 2021's first half in both dollar and unit sales. And here we go. PlayStation 5 remains the fastest unit selling console hardware platform in US history for lifetime sales through eight months on the market, excluding portables. So a lot of caveats mm. there, but still, PlayStation 5 still killing it. Nintendo Switch still killing it years in. And now seeing that the the series the xbox series is now carrying some momentum we're just seeing that like you know just the hunger for gaming has just gone up so much that everybody's eaten at this point and, it'll and be interesting everybody's to, gaming yeah everybody's gaming if anything that's what uh the pandemic that was one of the things it was it was cool because you saw a lot of people who normally just pushed aside gaming they found themselves a little bit of free time stuck at home. You know what? Why not go out and get a Nintendo Switch, get a PlayStation? And we're seeing the benefits of all that. And now Steam about to throw they had in the ring for real this time. Yeah. And that's why I always get in this idea of like, oh, like this comes out, we'll RIP this thing. It's like, no, 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 no. What we're seeing is that the audience is just growing with gaming. And so it's not like there's one size fits all for like every for every gamer. It's you go to Nintendo for this, you go to PlayStation for this, you go to Xbox for this, you get Game Pass if you want to only spend this amount on every month on a game without ever actually having to buy a game. Uh, mm -hmm. And then now you have the Steam Deck that can completely represent this also this this other audience or even just create a new space for an audience that hadn't been you know represented which is maybe the console gamer that didn't necessarily want to buy a pc uh and so it now just creates a new space for those people so it's it's i think the money is just flowing and the gaming industry is just raking it in right now <laughs> r.i.p nothing long, yeah. live, <laughs> long live everything yeah <laughs> So yeah, this is just great. Um, that's all I have for this. Do you have anything else, Adel, before we get out of here? All out. All right. Well, any final words before we get out of here? Things keep getting better. I mean, we got to put these masks back on. So put them on. Los Angeles. <laughs> yeah, Los Angeles. <laughs> uh, but whatever. It's Everything keeps getting better. Things are starting to get brighter. The market's getting wider. And, you know, 
it's the best time possible to be a gamer. If you are one, if you're thinking of becoming one, just go on ahead with your plans. They got you covered. Well, this is Control Issues. I am the AMC. And this is you are his Suckers, suckers, suckers. 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 Su